I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Al Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Another expert here in agricultural education and communication, leadership, extension, all worlds at school-based ag ed. Um, coming to us again from the Great Plains, is that right? For Auburn, the, the Plains of Auburn, right? Well, it's the loveliest village on the Plains. And <laughs> yeah, seven years ago when I got here, you know, growing up in Illinois, when they said Plains, I was thinking flat. I walked around for three years going, where's the flat? Because there isn't any. It's, uh, I, 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 I think that first year I walked uphill both ways everywhere I went. And that, that explains yeah. a lot for Auburn. Anyway. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as we got, we have Christopher Clemens from Auburn University with us. Chris, thanks for being here. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. It's, uh, it, it's good to see everybody again um, and enjoy being able to talk about some of the research we do with agriculture teachers and, and some of the, uh, the psychological issues that all of us face, regardless of uh, our level of what we do. So. Very cool. Well, speaking of psychological issues, um, <laughs> you've got the right, hey, you've, you've got the right guy. We're, 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 here, we're here with Mike and Becky. And so, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, the work you do, and then give us a quick summary of the conversation for today. Yeah, as, as Brian said, uh, my name is Chris Clemens. I am a soon-to-be associate professor, except as, as we've discussed already with the hills going both ways in Auburn's and no plains, um, everybody else in our field gets to announce their promotion earlier. I have to wait until August, um, just because that seems to be when we make decisions. So um, I spent a number of years as an ag teacher and an administrator, a principal in Illinois, grew up in Illinois and uh, central Illinois. Um, attended most of my schooling in Illinois and at Auburn. Uh, and I've been, uh, I've been at Auburn now, I'll be starting my seventh year this August. So I've spent the majority of my career focused on why ag teachers make decisions that they make. And this all came about um, about six years ago when I was really starting to look at where I wanted the trajectory of my career to go on the research side. And We've, we have asked for years, and I think the earliest I can find was 1978 about why ag teachers leave. And we all know that. Um, so I wanted to look at it as from a, a positivistic point of view of why do we stay, right? What are those inherent, those intrinsic feelings, right? That ag teachers possess, whether collectively or individually, um, about why they stay in the classroom. And we've run a number of studies on this. And I guess I would start to say there are some shared components to that, um, and there's some individual components to it. Um, but we have come, I've come to it from the angle of what can we do with this data, with this information to help ag teachers understand that they're not alone and how they feel. Um, and, and, you know, all of us being ag teachers, I, I've always equated it to that that long drive home at 11 o'clock after a contest and it's just you in the truck and you're wondering how things went and why you're there and you missed the kids and dinner and you know what draws us back every day so um, that's really been really been the question and uh, I'm excited to have an opportunity to visit today about it. Excellent certainly appreciate that so 
just give us a quick overview of the, the topic and the content we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so a number of uh, preliminary studies were done before we got to uh, the one we're speaking of specifically uh, was titled, What is the Real Cost Professional Success? A Qualitative Analysis of Work and Life Balance. This study came about from the findings of previous studies. And when we first started looking at this, the question was essentially, you know, why did you stay? And we gathered a lot of information. A lot of, some of it was, you know, I grew up here. You know, this was my home. Uh, my folks are here. I married someone here. I want, you know, the traditional stuff. Right? <laughs> Others were, um, I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher. So I took the job as I got out and I love it. And I've stayed forever all the way down to things like healthcare, right? You know, I've got great healthcare. Why would I leave? Uh, but today's study that we're going to discuss really focused on the levels of motivation, both internal and external, about why we make the decisions that we make and what are the outside influences on that. So to give you an example, um, I can think back to a point in my career, and not that I, not that I am the, the model of ag ed teacher, but I, I would go on a limb to say that all of us have felt this way. Um, we take our kids to a contest uh, or we don't. And, you know, one of our ag teacher peers calls and says, hey, we missed you at that contest last week. Where were you? And if we're just going to be honest, sometimes that call, that email is uh, genuine. But it's how we internalize it, right? Are they calling to check up on me? Did I drop the ball? What are my peers going to think? Uh, what's my community going to think? Is my administration going to be upset with me? And we really delved into that about uh, what Desi and Ryan, two researchers that, that study um, psychological motivation deemed as um, uh, internal and external motivation. Do we make decisions based upon our own internal drive or do we allow our external evaluation, we will, of our actions uh, validate our success? And it has taken well, let me see, two or three years for this study to finally get a group of ag teachers, uh, these were interviews, to really start to trust us and open up and really share what was on their mind. And I think more than anything, as a researcher, um, that was the greatest benefit of, of, of what this study was. We could have asked the questions to anybody uh, and, and probably gotten the same answers. You know, I'm here because I love it. I'm here for the kids. I'm here for the community. But what we started hearing from a lot of ag teachers were, um, I'm staying because I have learned how to survive. Mm. Chris, could you talk a little bit about how you're defining success when we talk about like, what, what is that that we're chasing? Well, I'll tell you, that answer is as, as wide as it is deep, right? We, the, specifically the instrument, uh, asked uh, uh, five semi-structured questions with follow-up questions, uh, specifically asked, you know, exactly what does success look like to you? And we'd have some teachers tell us that success to me is being a good classroom content teacher. Success to me is having 10 proficiency award winners at the state level. Uh, success to me is... A, you know, my, my marriage is good now because I found balance. Uh, others would say that success to me is having validation from my peers or validation in the community. Um, and, and those were really interesting findings. But out of all that, the one that really spoke to us the most 
was where a teacher would tell me um, they found success in listening to their younger counterparts talk about the struggles that they're having. And one teacher specifically said, thank God I'm not that teacher. So we followed up with that. And that really became a lot of the focus in this paper was um, the question, follow-up question was, you know, okay, are you saying that you found success because someone else didn't? And it was shocking when they said, you know, yeah, because I don't want anybody else to judge me of my peers and think that I'm not doing the job. So externally, I'm not showing this weakness, right? I'm being looked at as successful because I don't have these problems that other teachers are having. So defining it like for me and individually defining it, but almost sounds like that's maybe not quite enough. Like that yeah. doesn't validate it necessarily. No, you're right. I mean, how I define success and how you define success could be two different things. Um, one interesting aspect of this was we interviewed teachers from very large programs and very small programs, right? And it just the whole gamut. Typically in a smaller program, what we heard success was local success. The community values what I do. Um, I get stopped on the street and asked about my, you know, how are things in the ag program going? And the response that ag teachers would tell us was they never really spoke openly to, to the community members about it. Oh, things are fantastic. Things are great. We, we, we could not be any better. And they'd say, when I got in the truck or I got home and I talked to my husband or wife or, or significant other or our partner, that's when I was kind of open and honest that, you know, all I do is tell everybody how great things are, but the program's great. But, you know, me as a person, emotionally and mentally, I'm not doing great. So I guess I find success in my program and I live through that. But the, the mental struggle is an aspect that we very seldom touch on of what our ag teachers, us included are dealing with internally. But, you know, you, this is such an important topic because just the idea of how do we figure out what success is. And, um, you know, I have several ag teacher friends of mine that are going through my head right now that I, I heard them say, well, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm, you know, I'm, we're going to whatever else. And I'm like, those are probably the ones that need the most <laughs> validation or looking for the most validation sometimes. Um, to do that. And it, it's tough, though, because you want to be seen as, re as respectable and, and to your peers. And, and we do kind of judge ourselves. But the things that we sometimes judge ourselves on or, or what we can see from other people are really not maybe the central parts of what we do. You know, we're looking at what happens for an FFA contest or how many times you're, you know, how many times you walk across stage at convention or, or that kind of stuff. And so it can be really, really tough um when you're when you build up in your mind that's what other people are judging me on and that may be not the strength of your particular program what you want to do right and, and that's a really good segue into uh, a couple of the findings that really framed this this paper was that teachers you know mentioned a lot that the connection between their professional success uh because they were intrinsically motivated to do something right they felt the need to do it it wasn't someone else pressuring them had a stronger effect on um, their personal life. So if they found that drive within themselves to uh, teach to the best of their ability or prepare an LDE or a CDE team, or you know, make, make it through state or national convention with as many kids coming back as you took, right? Um, 
I always did have those numbers be exactly. You know, I kind of appreciate if they're the same kids, but as long as the numbers, no. I was just going to say that I used to tell my kids when we go to convention, I'm like, all right, there's 16 of you. I don't care if it's 16 of the same of you on the way back. I just got to come back with 16, and you'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, you'll be happy in in South South Central Illinois. So, but what we found was that. The, the, the profession, the job of, of being an ag teacher extends well beyond just that classroom and then that, that professional sphere. It influences personal lives. Uh, to give you an example, one ag teacher told us that um, I have missed my child's birthday for the last three years in a row because of a contest or you know an event that always fell on that. And we followed up because they were semi-structured and asked, you know, how does that, how does that make you feel? Well, I don't like missing it, but my other kids won the contest. So that intrinsic drive to take those kids supplanted that need at home, right? Now we didn't hear that from everyone because not everyone had families, but in contrary to that, we would hear ag teachers who, who were not, uh, didn't have a partner, weren't married or, or whatever would say, you know, I live almost vicariously through these experiences with my kids. I loved FFA. I loved winning. That, so I put everything into that. Um, another area that we found kind of on the opposite side of that was almost everyone who told us that they believed that they found happiness in what they do as an ag teacher had um, a side hobby in agriculture. It, you know, I was expecting people to say, oh, I fly planes or you know, I, I don't know, whatever else they do, but the majority, uh, there were 16, uh, 16 uh, participants in this as it was qualitative, and it was a fairly wide swath, it was 14 states, said, um, I have my home farm, I have a hobby farm, or I have a garden, or I built a greenhouse on my, on my land outside of our house, and that's my escape. So agriculture, in one way or another, the love of agriculture, influences all facets, whether they felt balanced or not, um, something in ag uh, allowed them to be fulfilled. Can we go back to the missing the birthdays for a minute? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we do, we do some work with teachers on, on boundary ownership and there's the other side of that where you've got the teachers who don't wanna miss the mm -hmm. birthday. Um, can, can those teachers still find success and what impact does it have on them finding success for the teachers who say either like I can be fulfilled missing, missing the birthday. So those responses typically happen with more veteran teachers that they felt secure enough in their role as a teacher, their role as an advisor, that family obligations became focused for them. And a number of the conversations that would happen even after the recording stopped was, you know, I went through a rough time in my relationship with my significant other and kind of had to have a, a, a let's come home and talk type thing. Um, and I didn't include that in the paper because uh, it was it was taken, it was after the, the interview was done. But it has really started to frame some of that next study of what changes in, in an ag teacher's mind that you know, my family comes first. And instead of making excuses that, you know, it's my job and I have to be there and what are people going to think of me? Because at home, well, that's pretty safe. They might get upset, 
but they'll get over it because we all live together um, until quite frankly that it doesn't and a, a couple a couple uh, participants indicated that um, they experienced end of relationship issues because it was viewed by their by their their significant other that uh, FFA and I say FFA purposively because uh, asking teachers about how their their partners or someone they talk to views ag slash ffa they didn't make a distinction right and one example was um one of the participants had mentioned that they go home and and when asked you know do you talk to your significant other about you know things in your day i do but i don't really talk about ffa because they don't understand they can understand the teaching side of it you know i had a bad day i had a good day but they don't understand the interwoven politics of being an FFA advisor. And it, it was one of those like gestalt moments, right? Like a lot of little pieces really just gave us the whole that, you know, until I went through a relationship breakup, whether it was a separation or a divorce or, you know, I'll take my bag, you take your bag and we'll, we'll go our own ways. Um, I didn't, not I, but you know, the participants, didn't really understand how much damage I was doing because I wanted my program to be viewed as the program in the state. So, you know, at some point that becomes a real issue that we have to talk about, that we don't talk about because in retrospect, I think ag teachers are pretty private when it comes to their personal life. You know, we're the first ones to talk about, hey, I created this new curriculum. This is fantastic. Oh, I'll send it to you. Uh, but real funny about that. Um, one of the one of the participants was talking about a uh, uh, aquaponics program that they had built from the ground up and that that's what they were really proud of. And they spent all summers doing it, you know, and they didn't have to work in the summer, but that's what they'd go do and not worry about the home stuff. And uh, I said, you know, do you do you share that? You know, the ideas, the innovation type thing, you know, or ag teacher share or whatever. And he said, no. No, why would I want to let somebody else see my work? I'll give them the big picture, but I won't give the individual <laughs> pieces. And, you know, kind of reflecting back on this study, I think that's a really good example of one of the larger issues. Ag teachers will not talk to other ag teachers about what's happening personally with them. I'll give you the big picture, but I'm not going to talk about the individual pieces that are really causing me sleepless nights. Was there any any kind of um, indication from your conversations about when they were measuring was it and I don't want to use the word self-imposed, but I don't I don't know a better one where it was their own their own thoughts of the pressures they put on themselves or were, were they actually getting phone calls from administrators and principals and the community members saying you're not you're not cutting it as an ag teacher or was it their mm -hmm. own their own self-valuation of hey, I'm not I'm not cutting as an ag teacher? Oh, that's that, that's a great question. A lot of it really was, this is how I view the world, therefore it's real, right? So were they getting phone calls? Were they getting stopped on the street? You didn't take kids, you know, uh, I followed you to your section ag teachers meeting and you left 25 minutes early. How did, you know, yeah. it was none of that because outside of what we do, it's not very well understood, right? I mean, everybody can understand here's an award, here's a plaque, here's your kid's name in the paper, those type of things. But the majority of the issues are really self-imposed. So to give you an example, uh, one of the findings revealed student success in programs, uh, at, uh, student success in local, state, and national FFA activities 
uh, really influenced as they were external motivators for the teachers to do things, but it highly influenced their intrinsic happiness. So, so much of that stress that, that ag teachers experience is really being put on by themselves and how they perceive their professional peers viewing them as successful or present or not successful. And, you know, the a good example that I can always think of is uh, at uh, Ag Teacher uh, Summer Convention or Ag Teacher Summer Conference. You know, one teacher told us they get anxiety every time they have to go because when they're home in their own program, things are really good, right? They feel good about their kids are engaged. They're not doing a whole, they're not over, not over the top. They're, they're just getting the kids out and they're doing things and they're a good teacher. But they said when they get to a conference, it's like the, the whole persona changes. They have to become something that they're not. Mm. Flamboyant, loud, you know, hey, ha overly happy. Let me tell you what we did. This is a great thing. We had the highest strawberry sales this spring of anybody in our area. And that takes a psychological toll on them because they said at the end of the conference, all they wanted to do was sleep because they're exhausted because it's not really who they are. It's who they think the profession needs them to be. So as we get close to rounding this out, what are two or three nuggets, recommendations you'd have for ag teachers that based upon this work that uh, would be help for helpful for them well I, I yeah and and i appreciate you putting a number on it because i I, usually, <laughs> I give a few more than that um i think first and foremost is and i and i know this is the caveat to everything but how we approach the role of the ag teacher from both a teacher education uh program and how we prepare teachers and then also how we as veterans uh, and those of us, and I won't give an age, but those of us who are of a certain number of years um, work with our, our newly minted ag teachers. The, the expectation of what was done 30 years ago and the idea that that's still the right way really needs to be evaluated. Um, I, I think the other side of that too is that you have to have a release from the field it's okay to take time for you. And, you know, I, I remember being young and, and I worked in a three teacher program and one of the gentlemen said, don't worry about it. It will be here tomorrow. And I couldn't get that through my head, right? It had to be done today. We had to prep. And I guess that I've gotten older, either I've gotten old and tired, or I actually like realized that he was right. You know, it, it's okay to step away. And that is much easier said than done. But if we don't take time for ourselves and find that mind, body, soul, that balance, um, we're going to experience burnout. And, and with burnout, we, we tend to close off, we shrink a little bit. Um, and, you know, at, at that point, we, we really start to question it, it, our worth. You know, it, it's this cycle that it feeds back on itself. So take time for yourself. Enjoy the things that you do that have no bearing on your program. Uh, and then the second, we need to really start to look at uh, why do we feel this way? What, what's perpetuating this? And how can teacher ed programs do better uh, addressing the psychological expectations of teaching instead of just here's the content and how to run contests? Fantastic. Thank Chris. Thank you for sharing this important work with us. 
ag teachers, I hope you hear us. We love what you're doing. You're doing great work, uh, but we need to, need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves too. So Chris, again, thanks for being with us and look forward to future conversations with you. Yeah, thanks y'all, War Eagle, and uh, enjoy your summer. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.